Hi, I'm Johnny Pollard and welcome to season three of the One Giant Mind podcast. In this episode, I chat with Stelios, a One Giant Mind teacher who's in his early 20s and is very committed to his own personal practice and confronting anything that inhibits his experience of of experiencing his full self. And he asked me a question regarding the relationship between the, the unfoldment of human potential, our collective crisis, and the way in which nature may or may not be supporting the way that we operate on the planet at the moment. It was a very fascinating question because it, uh, it led us into some really, really wonderful insights about where we're at right now and what really is required of us in order to truly gain the support of nature's intelligence. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, a question emerged from your last conversation with Ashwin. Yeah. Yes. And how you're talking about the, the, the emergence of the human psyche through depression or the challenge we face between the environmental kind of catastrophe that we might face. Mm-hmm. So you're asking me to talk more about the possibility of humanity emerging out of its current condition and specifically the, 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 the epidemic of depression, uh, but in context to the great pressure that we're experiencing environmentally. Yeah, and if is nature support like if, if we're if we're part of it and we're, we're like part of our evolution is this psyche? Do you think that nature will? support us or the environment and if you can even answer that yes i can nature is always supporting us nature is always supporting us and when i say us that which is true that which is the expression of our design what nature is increasingly not supporting is the behavior that is emergent uh, through being ignorant of our nature. A, a really nice analogy is, you know, sitting in the middle of a, a, an orchestra and all their instruments are tuned beautifully to each other. And when they play, it's just the sound becomes one thing. All these individual instruments create a sound that is ultimately one experience. You're not really thinking about the, 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 the difference between the oboe and the cello, the way that they're played is that the oboe and the cello become this one sound that's very interesting that causes a, an emotive experience that informs us of a story that's unfolding in a particular way. This is, this is nature. And then in that orchestra, there's one, let's say, violinist that hasn't taken the time to tune their strings or actually maybe doesn't even know, but it's part of the orchestra. You are going to hear that sound so clearly amidst the, the, the harmony of all the other instruments. It's going to become very clear that someone has not tuned their instrument and it creates a and distorts the, the overall sound and can actually 
change the story, can make the, the story sound different. You know, at a time where it's everything's supposed to be sweet. It's a very sweet. And then someone's <laughs> is out of tune and they don't know how to play it properly. We know that a violin can sound quite eerie and spooky. And while everything is sweet, we've got one violin that's... And it completely changes the, the story. Right? Humanity is kind of like that. We're an instrument that's out of tune. We don't quite know how to play it. Furthermore, we have a narcissistic tendency to dominate the, the chamber in which the orchestra is playing. We're dominating. We're insisting on playing the loudest. <laughs> Furthermore, we actually think in, 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 in many respects that our tune sounds better than nature. Is better than nature. We're an improvement on nature. It's kind of like a, an obnoxiousness. And so nature, you know, invited us to play. And so in the same way that I wouldn't get angry with Safira, my two-year-old daughter, she's sitting here on my knee, while I'm trying to have this conversation with you, and she's trying to um, uh, highlight that Bish over here has beautiful tattoos on his leg. Now, but Dad, I don't want about Stelios for a second. Look at that. Look at that. Lady's face. Lady's face. You know, I couldn't get I couldn't get annoyed with her because she's trying to direct my attention to the to the tattoo because that's expected behavior for a two year old. Nature is intelligent enough to know where we're at. We, we were created. We are a part of it. Nature is not so silly to go, oh, those bloody humans coming and crashing the party. It's like, no. <laughs> Nature created us. We are, we are its child. And nature is displaying immense patience and compassion for our evolution. And as a good parent would do once behavior becomes unsustainable nature starts to implement more and more rigid structured boundaries to enforce up upgrading in the same way that when Safira just refuses to um, cooperate with certain things that are essential for harmony in the household she gets a, a short bout of time out in the bedroom of which she kicks and screams for about 30 seconds and then knocks on the door and says, I'm, I'm ready to talk. And we sit down, we have a conversation with her and she gets on board. We've been put in time out. I think COVID was the first of many potential timeouts that we're going to get. And nature is going to continue delivering timeouts, imposing restrictions and boundaries until we um, really start saying, okay, I'm ready to talk. And the first thing nature will say is, start listening to your heart. Start listening to where 
the orchestra is playing. Start listening to the orchestra. You need to start learning how to play this thing properly. And there's enough of us that have been practicing long enough to provide sufficient instruction for us to begin playing in harmony. There's enough of us that have done that, that have worked out how to do it. And the question is, you know, how long will we insist on being in time out? <laughs> and you know, the, the question often gets asked, you know, is it too late? I, I certainly don't think it's too late at this point in the game. If we were to follow the same line of logic in terms of how we've been behaving up until now, it seems unlikely that we will listen. However, nature is a very good parent. Nature knows. And nature knows how to conceive of and construct circumstances that cause awakening. That's the intelligence of, of nature, of reality. And I think that what we're going to see in the next 30 to 50 years is some pretty extraordinary changes and restrictions of liberties until we really take stock. Because at the moment, everyone's just trying to get back to normal. And the only problem with that is that our normal is so incredibly dysfunctional and ignorant of our responsibility to coexist with nature with life. And I'm not talking about birds and bees and forests and things. I'm talking about each other. We are nature. We need to learn what human nature is. We don't even understand what our human nature is. That's why we can't play the violin properly. We don't understand our instrument. We don't know how to make the sweet sound all the time and the sweet sound that's going to harmonize with the rest of the orchestra. We've got to learn how to play the strings of our intelligence. Um, so to answer your question, you know, will nature support? Nature is supporting, never not, always. It's always on. That's the nature of nature. The nature of nature is that it is nurturing itself. We are a part of it. We need to stop seeing ourselves as separate from nature. Everything of our physiology is elements that are found in the earth. Nothing of us came from anywhere else but here. And our souls are of the universe. We are of it. We are not separate from it. And that misconception, that, that has been deeply indoctrinated into the way that we see reality. And we can be forgiven for that because, you know, I'm looking at you over there, you look like you're separate from me. On the gross level of our sensory experience, you know, when I go to my own face, you don't feel it, right? Yeah, so you can go, yeah, I'm not you. But on some deeper level, when you really give your attention to me with an open heart, you're going to sense where I'm at. And you're going to have feelings about that. And those feelings at the deepest level are themed with care, concern, love. You care about me as I do you. And that's all that we're ignoring. And that's actually what makes us one. That's where the, the, the unity is. It's in a subtle, abstract dimension 
that requires sensory perception. It requires being in contact with our sensory experience. And for the most part, that is clogged up with anxiety, stress, pain, shame, guilt, resentment. It's all clogged up. I try to go in there and feel it and it's just, uh, and so I try to stay with it and then it becomes too much and then I just need to feel good. So I'm going to go and do something that makes me feel good. And generally it's something that's not that good for me. This is the, this is the narrative that's playing out mostly in people self-soothing to, because we're, we're, we're creatures that need to feel good. And when we don't feel good, we we can get into a pretty bad way pretty quickly and have terrible thoughts and then do terrible things in the name of defending something. Why is that? Why, why does this happen? Uh, well, the, the, the biggest picture perspective that I can provide is the, the, the thing that's been said for many thousands of years is that you know, nature desires, na- nature is an artist and it's created humanity. Humanity exists to be an, a, an expression of its highest creative capability. The human nervous system and the human brain is so profoundly extraordinary in terms of what our potential is to create. And we're not even scratching the surface. With, with you know how we've evolved in the last hundred years not even scratching the surface in terms of the complexity and the the power of what we can create and the experiences that we can generate shared experiences that we can generate that give us extraordinary senses of, sense of meaning and purpose in life that's where our true power lies it seems to be the way of evolution that obstruction challenges the the negation of nature causes the, the the tension in that causes some kind of force of propulsion that moves us forward to 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 probe ever deeper and discover it'd be no fun if the whole thing was revealed to us in the snap snap of a finger kind of defeats the purpose we were designed to unfold, to go on a journey of discovery. The story itself is the thing. Why do we love movies so much? Because there's a narrative, there's a story, there's a journey, there's an unfoldment. It describes the nature of things. Story is an inherent in our psyche. And so we, we, we need the procession. And it just so happens that the procession can be filled with enormous upheaval deep bouts of forgetfulness and destruction and we're there we're having one of those moments and again we can fall for the narrative or we can realize that we're watching a spectacular movie unfold and realize that we're not just one of the actors we're also directors of the story we're directors we're not just the actors being told what to do we are directing and actually that's the part of the this is the part of the story where 
all of us are required to wake up and realize that. It's like going to a movie and forgetting that you're watching a movie and you just get absolutely traumatized and freaked out about something you're watching. But really, it's just a movie. Uh, Well, let's just get rid of the just. It's an awesome movie. It's so awesome that it makes you forget that it's a movie. You know, this experience that we're having is an awesome movie. Beyond it is a timeless, pristine intelligence consciousness that is joyfully participating and observing it all and going, wow. (laughs) And we are able to access that experience. That timeless consciousness is what we are. The call to action is to become that. How do we do that? Well, one way to make that happen really quickly is meditation. We can get there a lot quicker and and relinquish the involuntary participation and the drama and the emotional turmoil that that pulls us into. Now, it's not to say that we don't feel emotion and the, and the impact of the drama. It's just that it doesn't overshadow the the truth and it makes the journey exciting beautiful interesting as opposed to dreadful full of dread get me out of here it's too many people experiencing that and that perpetuates that so pulling ourselves out of that is such an important thing to do right now Thank you for taking some time to listen to the One Giant Mind podcast. If you're somebody that hasn't yet got a regular meditation practice, One Giant Mind offers a couple of ways in which you can make that happen right now. You can go to onegiantmind.com and have a look at our teacher directory. We've got hundreds of teachers around the world teaching the One Giant Mind being technique, both in person and online. And if for whatever reason you're unable to get to one of those courses, you could download our free Learn to Meditate app. It's called One Giant Mind. It's got a 12-step course that'll get you started. And if you're already a regular meditator and feel deeply called to bring this beautiful practice into the world, we strongly encourage you to check out our One Giant Mind Teacher Training Academy. We train passionate meditators to become powerful leaders in their community, equipped with tools to empower others to know themselves very intimately. We teach a powerful process of how to run a meditation course and facilitate the building and growing of a community. And we would love to welcome you into our global family of teachers. A special thanks to our show producer, Daniel Tucker, a.k.a. Spiritual Tradie, our music composer, the one and only Ali Liberman, and all of the One Giant Mind team.